change is going to happen every day, every minute. Do we have the plans in place and the systems in place to adapt and be flexible to that change? Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. My name is Sagi. I'm the CEO and founder of Tonkin. And today I have the pleasure of hosting Lindsay, the head of strategic operations at Airtable. So good to have you, Lindsay. Thank you for joining us. So great to be here. I'm super excited to have this chat today. Well, I'm very excited about you know Airtable and some of your background. So maybe we can start with that. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to, to operations. You know, the path to getting into operations can be quite different. So happy to, to give you a little bit of background in my journey. So yeah, it really started out in entertainment tech for about 14 years. You know, I'm uh, born and raised and based in, in Los Angeles. So I'm going to enter tech, entertainment tech, sort of where it's at. So I spent about 14 years there and the last two um, really in the SaaS industry, which I absolutely love. It's nice to be you know, in tech at a tech company. You know, I started in, in software engineering back at e-entertainment, which turned into NBC Universal, and really then got into technical program management when I moved over to Hulu. And I spent uh, you know, seven years at Hulu, kind of slowly transitioning out of software engineering into program management. You know, I found this niche that I loved, which was you know, wanting to know why I was building things I was building, being extremely organized, and so found this kind of really sweet spot in technical program management to be able to still be where the action of, of building was at, but also utilize my skills in you know, connecting business to, to product. Then I, I spent a couple of years at Quibi, um, which was only around for a couple of years, uh, really leading technical program management and starting to get really into the weeds of product and engineering operations. And now I've found myself here. I'm at Airtable leading strategic operations. Those that, that don't know Airtable, we're a connected apps platform, which you know allows anyone to easily build and, and customize connected apps on top of a common set of data. So it's been really a great journey. I've had a, a passion for building teams throughout my time, became a manager at Hulu and really have continued on that journey of you know, starting at places and, and building out teams. That's kind of been my, my journey here. And in addition, I you know, love volunteer work, whether that's being part of you know, ERGs in my, my companies I've been at or volunteering outside of, of work with you know, LGBTQ youth and, and such like that. So making sure to find that balance of the things that I, I bring to, to my passionate work outside of that as well. well. That's amazing. And we're actually, this is a sidetrack, but I love the idea of bringing the skill set you know, we do every day and, and not take for granted, but sort of like, you know, this is sort of our jobs and how much they can apply to other places. We host every year uh, an event we call Changemakers, where we help bring together nonprofits with professionals operations. So people go and can go and check that out. But back to, you know, back to your sort of background, I find it fascinating the move. First of all, very cool entertainment, uh, you know, tech. You know, I think, uh, you know, we're all consumers of that. So very cool start. But I am finding fascinating that move. I never moved to operations, but my background is, is engineering as well. And I found a lot of the sort of gaps and interest in operations, you know, end up building products to help operations. But from my experience with engineering, so I have my own point of view, but I'm curious, what is that? 
you know, what is that transition spun from? Like what in engineering and program managers make you made you feel like this is actually a very interesting area that I want to, to have my next role be? It was really a slow progression, I think. And it wasn't one of these where I was asked, you know, 15 years ago, where do you want to be in 10, 15 years? And I, I knew, and this was the path. So it's definitely this kind of slow progression where, you know, certainly I think in my move in between uh, going from NBC to Hulu, I was actually still looking for engineering roles. And I happened upon this role at Hulu for engineering. And while I was on the phone with them, I could kind of tell that, you know, it wasn't, wasn't quite what they were looking for in terms of they really wanted someone very full stack and and I wasn't fitting the bill. So while I was on the, the call with them, I said, hey, I see this like program management role. Tell me more about it. And that's really where that journey started of getting into you know program management. And really it was prompted by my discovery of a love for being a connector of both people and work and just the path for creating efficient system in general. And so you know I spent you know, the, the early days of a software engineer moved to, to technical program management. And really, I think that that naturally had me in an operational type role within the engineering team. And so I, I got this great opportunity in technical program management to then go and build that engineering operations muscle from scratch at Quibi. And, you know, I think that's where my journey into, you know, true operations really, really started, which was that I was not just working within product and engineering. I was actually leading a whole operations committee of people across the company because we needed to launch this brand new company, this brand new product. So I got to really touch a lot of the, you know, work with people in content operations, advertising operations, understand what they do. And you know, really be, uh, again, a connector of those those functions. I also got to spend my last few months there operationalizing the shutdown of a company, an incredibly unique opportunity. And that's where I also, you know, really discovered this kind of area that I, I loved working in, which was just really pulling together, you know, the pieces. Obviously, a shutdown is not an exciting thing, but it was a really great opportunity for me to understand where I really had, you know, a passion in terms of, again, you know, just helping people kind of move, move things along efficiently and within a certain time frame, you know. And so, yeah, that that's the the gap that I tend to sort of operate in, which is bringing together decentralized teams to work on strategic cross-company initiatives. And uh, yeah, I guess it was sort of this interestingly weird, just like following what I loved to do and what my strengths were sort of naturally landed me here. Fascinating. I think the shutdown of the company is an example of, I hope we won't see a lot of those, but you know, with the current climate, I think maybe a different way to think about it is how important it is to be able to sort of like take on some of those more, as you call it, decentralized or cross-functional, cross-organization initiatives and to manage the entire output of this, not only from like execution perspective, but also and what is the experience? What is the timeline? This is why I I found engineering experience super interesting, is because I, I I always kind of felt that operation people are actually product people. Is it just mm. their product is, um, but they don't have engineering resources, <laughs> and right. they, don't, they don't necessarily have the same sort of set set of tools. But they have clients. They have you know they have customers. Mm-hmm. They need to pull resources and manage and manage timeline. And really they have ROIs too. They, you know, they need to make sure that 
the you know the initiatives they they lead and the projects they lead uh, actually makes a difference. And there's you know and there's a, a good feedback loop there. One thing on that actually is like you make a great point, and I don't I don't actually measure myself or my team on you know did we launch the thing on time or you know the necessarily the the product outcome. It's more about the path that we took to get there. Did we raise risks and flags? in a timely fashion and allow for, you know, pivots that are inevitably going to happen. I think early on in my career, I realized that change happens. And I am just like, I hate change. Like, don't even like make me move my desk. Like I I hated when I had to like, oh, we're going to like move to a different floor. Don't make me do that. And then I've just gotten used to the fact that actually I'm in the business of change. Like it is inevitable in this product world. Change is going to happen every day, every minute. Do we have the plans in place and the systems in place to adapt and be flexible to that change? And that's you know really what it's what it's all about. So yeah, just kind of an interesting uh, interesting topic there. I mean, this is actually was exactly my next point, which is a lot of something we've talked about in this in this podcast multiple times by now. Is that concept of you called it being adaptable to this thing and be able to iterate that entire concept of you know agile. As a methodology, mm-hmm. Agile and Scrum is a very obvious concept in engineering these days. It was not the case necessarily like 25 years ago, but you know, sure. definitely obvious right now. Not many operation teams think that way yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys, yeah. And you, 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 you brought it? up before too the interesting piece of not a lot of operations teams have engineers and resources. And I think that's again where I have this background in engineering. And so it's just great to be able to kind of apply that and things like Agile Scrum to operations. It's also great to be in a company, as I uh, you know mentioned uh, early, early on, to be in a tech company where I'm still really close to, to the engineering and building because I, I would miss that too much if I was you know strictly in operations in a, still in entertainment tech, for instance. But yeah, going back to, to the Agile you know, practices and how to kind of apply those in operations, I think there's a couple of things that that I I really take and, and apply. One is one is that iteration that you mentioned. So you know, agile and Scrum methodologies are all about you know iterating, quick feedback loops, you know, sprints, and and kind of getting those quick feedback to improve things. And so I think when we're creating new workflows and processes and operations, it's all about proposals, building pilots, and getting that quick feedback loop, as opposed to going full on out with Here's exactly how we're going to approach this, and that's it. And it's set and building out the entire system. Trying to you know pilot within maybe one team or you know start out small in a system. So that's one one area I certainly apply. Another is you know on the communication paths. I think within agile, there's a lot of things within particular like practices around meetings, you know, stand-up meetings, uh, consistent meeting cadences. So whether that's, you know, having stand-ups in the morning for operations or, you know, just general check-ins, but having consistency of a meeting cadence, having clear agendas, clear outcomes, that's really important. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we have a gen- we have a meeting set and you have no idea what the agenda is. There's zero agenda. You're going to go in and you're going to not have a clue what we're supposed to come out with. That's something that I think agile scrum like you can't actually afford to just go and spend time in a meeting without knowing what the outcome and agenda is one other thing that i love to use is this 
concept of the parking lot that is often used in, in agile where, you know, you start to get in the weeds on something, let's, let's parking lot it, let's set it aside and we'll talk about it later and kind of move things forward. And that's a huge win when it comes to operations. We can get stuck so, so easily on, you know, one narrow path. It's really important to kind of step back away, look at the bigger picture, but also acknowledge this thing is important. We'll come back to it. This is so important. And I, and I really wish that people listening to this really take that in because it is about producing. You, you mentioned you know, earlier, this is all about change and sort of an operation is sort of like you, you're producing change. But when you think about it, any company that produce any product, they're inspired by making change. You know, if you go all the way right. to Steve Jobs of, you know, change, change the world, right? Like what right. it is actually mean, it is, it has to, innovation always come with change. And so I yeah. think taking that, and I love the, the, that simple advice, you know, do standups, you, know, yeah. you know, learn how to, how to do cadence that those are proven, you know, proven methods that allow companies engineering and product to deliver products faster and better. And I love that you guys are using it. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. When you think about operations, you talked about it being, you know, what helps you kind of take down sort of like silos across different departments and mm-hmm. think about how to bring those together. Maybe let's talk a little bit more about that. The silos are something that happens everywhere. I think that that's, you know, one of the things that we talk like so much about at Airtable, especially, you know, given that uh, our our product is out there trying to help remove and break down the silos and create, you know, sources of truth for for folks. So let let me start by saying like, it's really, really critically important um, to understand why having a silo isn't a good thing. Understand your problems. Because in some cases, like having having a silo might be a good thing. But it definitely, you know, makes it where you break down those those silos across teams, helps you work more efficiently. You have more diverse thoughts and perspectives. Um, ultimately, you you have better products um, and, and really higher engagement with things. So I think that's a really important piece of, of understanding silos. And then I think that, you know, in the work that I do and where I mentioned before, you know, having committees across the company. Um, that's something that I employ everywhere, right? I we started an operations council um, at Airtable where we take, you know, ops people from all different areas. And again, putting together that connective tissue, having those connection points is really what's critical, creating that purposeful connection to come together and break down those silos. You know, teams are so, so distributed right now. And you know, it takes a lot of effort to understand how everything fits together. So it's really important to create those purposeful points of connection, understand the dependencies that you've got across the organization. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, that having the tools that you need in order to, for people to do their best work, um, to be able to share data, get teams aligned and in sync. 
And I think that's what you know both of, of the companies that we we work for right now work at uh, are, are helping do as well as creating those tools to to help remove silos. So obviously Airtable is a super fast growing company, still early in its life, but amazing last few years versus um, Hulu and previous you know roles with mm. much bigger, very different mentality, I, I think. How's the operation structure? you know, mm. was different. Were there anything that you, by leading right now, the, the strategic operation in Airtable said, I want to do this differently, some of the learnings maybe? I actually had a, a big leap of learning when I went from Hulu to to Quibi because I was able to, you know, starting starting things from scratch. That was the first time I was doing that. And certainly I think it's the concept around centralized and decentralized really and that's really one of the biggest learnings they have you know at, at hulu we had a team of 90 tpms when i was there with about 2000 employees um, that's a lot and it was under one you know single leader and sure it was great to share common best practices and standards have all decisions and trade-offs made by you know one small group or or one one particular individual um, and that might work for for large companies who can really benefit from a you know central path where scale and standardization is exactly what you want. Um, look at Amazon, who I just saw announced you know consolidated all their operations under one leader, right? Like big big company. Certainly, I think what I wanted to apply when going to Quibi and a startup and coming into Airtable um, when it was you know a couple hundred people as well and starting a new you know ops organization here was really the decentralized approach, um, which pretty much existed when I when I started at Airtable as well. But it's important that at this stage for the company, whether it's the, the size or the industry, at this stage, it's important for us to be nimble and fast and customer-centric and to be able to move quickly and be as close to our customers as possible um, so we can be responsive, have the, that autonomy and speed. And so that was really the, the kind of learnings that I took but then being conscious of the cons and the downfalls, right? Because both central and decentralized have their pros and cons. Being really conscious of those downfalls to actually, again, going back to this coordinated hybrid approach of making sure that we're not duplicating effort or resources, all these touch points and communication paths so we can share best practices, evangelize new processes together, and not just be completely completely off on our own. I mean, it's very similar to an engineering code base, right? Like at Hulu, was another thing. We had a mobile team, a you know, living room team, a you know, backend for this system, backend for that system, all separate teams. And even the scrum teams were like that. At Quibi, instead, we took a different approach to forming our engineering scrum teams. Certainly, we still had those similar um, management paths for, as I mentioned, kind of like we did at Hulu, but our day-to-day scrum teams were actually different. They were, you know, kind of self-forming teams. That's the beauty of of Agile and Scrum. They were self-forming teams that took one from each so that you really bring, again, those touch points together and don't have these, you know, disparate systems like that. I love the the, taking that decentralized and centralized. It's such a big topic right now, Mm -hmm. but with Web 2 and Web 3, and there's... Mm -hmm. and I also agree that is this is an old concept, right? The question mm-hmm. is how do you how do you leverage it? And I find it super interesting that you know you mentioned Amazon is now sort of like going back to hyper centralized. Mm-hmm. When do you think 
the decentralized model is. So if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, oh, I want, I'm doing a, re, a reshuffle in my ops team or I'm starting a new, you know, a new job. And what is the point in which I definitely should do a decentralized approach or maybe areas where actually centralized would be a, a better idea or just even the way to think through it? I think it's not necessarily, again, about just the size. It's also about what you're trying to achieve. As I mentioned, kind of taking into account, you know, whether or not you have a product that can be, you know, where you don't need as as quick of a customer feedback loop, where you're not like, you know, at that stage of, of needing that. There's like that to, to take into consideration, whether it's the, the customer approach or the maybe even the way that your organization is run, right? Like, do you have one product or you multiple business units? That kind of thing is also another thing to, to take into consideration. I might've, you know, kind of touched on this a little bit before, but I, I do think that it's also the speed at which you're trying to, to move things forward. And that's a huge, huge factor, um, to be honest. And I don't think anyone would say like, oh, we don't want to be fast, but actually there are cases where you want to be really, really thoughtful and slow, you know, you're, you're more concerned about, you know, the really long-term goals and gains than you are about, you know, some quick wins. And that's a really important thing to, to factor in. Again, the decentralized allows you to be super fast and make local decisions based on the team that you're working with here and now versus having to go up and have sort of decision makers up the chain. Uh, so again, it's about like, you know, if your company is at 200 and you're really not looking to massively scale, then, you know, you could stick with decentralized for years. But I think when you're in that hyper growth, you have to start thinking about how you want to scale. And I think that's a really important piece of it. So the balance of the risk and the speed, but also I think it's important, correct me if I'm wrong, is that those are all concepts that uh, can live together. So you can still be, you can still use agile concepts and scrum mm-hmm. concepts, even when you're centralized. And those are just another layer of, of concept, right? Cause I, I think I personally agree that I think decentralized has a lot of power and really empowerment sort of baked mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in web three, they talk about trust in a way that's similar. It's a bit, it's ability to give ownership to more teams to sort of like, yeah. Yeah. independently. Mm-hmm. But I also think I don't want to downsize the importance of your first point around the, you know, agile engineering concepts as, you know, if someone says there's no way we're going to be decentralized, they sh- still should be able to take some of the first concepts uh, you yeah. described. Because I think there's a lot of great learnings here and a lot of things that people Yeah. Can yeah. To your point, I think that that, that concept of the autonomy, it sounds more empowering for, you know, the people at your company, certainly, but that can be really hard when you get, uh, you know, 20,000 people and you need to have very clear, this is how we do things. We can't have, you know, as much autonomy and flexibility in these areas. Uh, We have to be making decisions and trade-offs at a different level. That's an important factor. So one could say that, you know, at some point, the, the actual size of your company 
you have to kind of start consolidating those concepts. It's also interesting to think about whether you're a company that's going to go through, you know, acquiring a lot of, you know, doing a lot of M&A and you're getting new companies in. Oh my goodness, if you have completely decentralized across the board, that makes it really, really difficult to uh, to go through the process of consolidating. Um, and maybe that's the point at which you say, you know what, we're going to need to have, you know, more centralized uh, framework. It's really a set of tools. And I think just like a lot of things, maybe, you know, your previous point of being able to adapt and understand what do you need, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, there's no absolute truth of this always better this way. And there's also not, you're not fully decentralized or fully centralized. You can also have those yeah. areas are centralized. Yeah. Everything else can be decentralized. Yeah, it's definitely not an either or. There is, there, there's a spectrum here. And that's why I mentioned before too, the there's a, you know, we, we sort of lean more towards decentralized, but we create these specific coordinated approach to making sure that we, uh, you know, account for potentially the, the cons and downfalls of going too far in that path. So I think that's a really important part of it. I mean, similar to, you know, our, our hybrid work experience, right? Like we go too far this way or too, we swing the pendulum back that way. Like there, there's a middle ground that we, that we need to find in between. It's definitely not an either or, and it's not an either or like your company is not decentralized or centralized, right? It's parts of it um, functions. And that's why, you know, the lens I'm talking about here is like strictly from my strategic ops perspective here, not necessarily our whole company is this way. Amazing. Well, this is a lot of great, great learnings, great tips. Maybe before we finish, if there's anyone want to reach out to you, maybe talk more about those concepts or just learn more about your career path. Is there anywhere preferred? Is Twitter, LinkedIn? Anything else? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I'm on Twitter to get my news. I'm not much of a poster there, um, but uh, LinkedIn is, is certainly a great, great way to, to reach out to me. Also, I'm part of the uh, Adaptive Ops community uh, in that Slack forum. Um, so that's a great way to, to reach me as well. Um, I'm pretty new to, to that forum, but I do think that uh, Slack is a great way to, uh, to communicate within, uh, you know, cross communities and such. So that's a great way to reach out to me for Adaptive Ops. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was fun. And thank you for, uh, uh, for sharing all your, all your knowledge and, and tips. Same, same. This was great. I love talking about this stuff. We could, I could talk for hours. So for <laughs> sure, I hope that, uh, that folks will reach out and ask questions. Um, uh, and I love hearing about new, new ways to approach uh, the challenges that we face in, in operations world and even just defining what operations means. It's, it's different for so many different roles. So we'd love to, to keep that conversation going. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.